Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. stuff to say. Now, I'll, I'll admit that I perused his email quite quickly because I did not want to have anything spoiled for me. I wanted to be right here with you to to hear the uh, experiences that this gentleman has had. Uh, he also has the distinction of being the very first interview that I've had from across the pond. So, if you would, please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Christian. Thank you, Eric. Nice to be here. Uh, it's good to have you, sir. Thank you for uh, adjusting your your schedule to uh, to deal with the time difference. We're we're what five hour difference now? Yeah, it's about twelve thirty a.m. here. Yeah, it just past midnight. And where is here? Where where are you exactly? Uh, Colchester in England. Oh, fantastic! Which is the southeast, about an hour and a half outside of London. That's awesome. That is, uh, you know, prior to going on here, we started talking about, you know, technology and, and uh, what, we, what we grew up with versus what we have available to us today. And, you know, quite honestly, these, uh, the technology we have now that, that can span the gap without having to use a, a regular telephone and, and call long distance, and we can do this over the Internet, basically, it's it's amazing. It really is, and the, the clarity that 
I'm getting to talk to you through and uh, just be able to bridge that gap, that distance of, uh, it, it's just, sometimes it blows me away. Sometimes it's a real pain. Hey, is this not- sometimes it's a real pain. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it can be really uh, technically challenging, but when it works, man, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Christian, tell me what, what prompted you to, uh, to get a hold of me? Um, it's just a case of recently listening to a lot of podcasts, as I said, uh, macro aggressions, the confessional Sasquatch Chronicles and, uh, hollow sky recently and Dogman radio. Sorry, just giving me all the shout out. And, um, it just made me think, you know, I've, I've had an awful lot happen in my life and I've never ever spoken about it except to friends and stuff. And then I always water it down because you don't want the, you know, that look of, oh, were you yeah. smoking? It's like, I've smoked a thousand times. I've never seen anything while I've been smoking. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just, it seems to have always been in my life. Like, my first story is when I was six. Um, and it was, um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go into it. Are you ready? But yeah, it's, absolutely. Suppose, you, it, it, the floor is yours, man. <laughs> Okay, I mean, these things have just popped up throughout my life. But um, when, when I was six or seven, um, I lived um, in a place nearer the sea um, called Jaywick. It's famous in England for being the poorest town. And um, we lived just outside of Jaywick. And uh, there was a little park that we used to play in in our, in our neighbourhood. And um, my, my two sisters were over there, and I, I, was, I was at the house. And I remember one of my sisters come sort of tearing down the road back to the house and me and my mum were in the uh, front garden and she looked really scared and we were like well what's up uh, well that's what my mum said at seven I don't think I said that <laughs> but uh, basically the, the story is she was playing in the field uh, with my um, sister and some of her friends and at the back of this field it was just a playing field not very big about the size of a football field um, an English one uh, so it's smaller it's not 100 yards uh, about 50 yards wide and at the back of it is a hedgerow and then there's a path and then there's another hedgerow and a fence so it's just this shrubbery at the back of the field that's not really doing anything except giving a nice finish her, her and her friends were in there playing and she heard this sort of strange tinking noise. So she walks um, away from her friends and heads down the other end of this path. The the, uh, the trees are quite thick. And she said she um, sort of got to this tree and peeped around the corner. And she could see two gnomes, um, like bigger than a garden gnome. She said they're about four or five feet high. And she said, like, she says that to this day as well. They were about four or five feet high, dressed like ridiculous garden gnomes. You know, she was like, <laughs> they're dressed like they're garden gnomes. And they no were digging. Kidding. Yeah, uh, they were digging. So she sort of froze and was just staring at them sort of with her mouth wide open. And she noticed one of them glanced towards her and uh, and then she ran. And... um that's kind of the end of that story, but that was the first time I remember sort of going, gnomes, really? <laughs> but to this day, she swears that's true, and she's not the type of person to uh, 
to uh, sort of make stuff up because she's uh, she used to be quite into ghosts and horror films and she had a few experiences and now she won't even talk about any of it. But really? she does talk about the gnome story, yeah. How old was she when that's happened? Uh, she's five years older than me, so she must have been about 12 or 13. Okay, so that's that's beyond the age where, where you have kids that are uh, have overactive imaginations and, and yeah. are making mistakes on what they're seeing. You know, what's interesting to me is through reading a lot of stuff and, and listening to uh, uh, folks from over in where you're from there seems to be you know like the the gnomes the the fae seem to be uh somewhat popular over there yeah and that's part of that's part of your historical culture right i mean those things have been prominent throughout your history as far as folklore yeah. and stuff like that Oh, well, I never thought gnomes were. I've never really heard anything about gnomes. I, I don't really know where they originate from or anything, you know. It's not something I've, that's got me attention. <laughs> well, it just, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, like, you know, there seems to be some things that, that happen over here in the States that seem to be um, somewhat isolated to us. And then there seems to be, you know, like over with you with the, the Fae and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder if there is some truth. A lot of people talk about, um, you know, the possibility of of some of these things manifesting um, because of people's actual just ability to to think about these things or to talk them into existence. Yeah, and and that makes yeah. me wonder if that's that's something that's geographically um, important because you know, like we don't. We don't talk about Faye over here. Um, there, yeah. you know, to a, a very small extent. But you know, is is it? Do they manifest there's those over famous, there? Go ahead. N- not really. I mean, there's that famous photo of the lady with the fairies in the back garden, mm-hmm. um, and I think that I still see people on social media fighting about whether it's real or not today. Yeah. And I, I always think there's no way of knowing on social media whether something's real or fake, no matter who says what underneath, the amount of times you see someone say that's proven as fake and you go, go on then, where? Right. And they're like, you know, they've gone. Right. And it's like, it's just, mm. yeah, no, I haven't heard too much about the fairies really. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's not, it's not really entered my uh, psyche really, the fairies. Maybe I'm thinking more towards Ireland. Ireland, yeah. Yeah, they definitely seem to have fairies and are obviously leprechauns, although that sounds <laughs> like really typecasting, but yeah. it is, isn't it? It's an Irish thing. So yeah. Again, that I, that makes me wonder, is there is there something to um these things, you know, if, if they if they do in fact exist, if they're manifesting based on geographical locations and 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 the people's beliefs in them in yeah. that area you know does that i can say them- one the, the one the one thing i do think is if dog man exists and bigfoot exists then fairies can damn well exist you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah you know the the bigfoot thing for me is has always been always been you know from from the first 
the first time I saw a photograph of it in a book to the first time that I saw the infamous uh, Patterson-Gimlin film from 67. Yeah. Um, I've never, I've never doubted it. I've never, you know, there's, there's plenty of things you see on, on YouTube and in different shows that are, you know, obviously hoaxes and, and stuff like that. But that, that in particular, um, instance, I was, I was fully convinced that it was a, a, a living, breathing creature and it's never, yeah. never left me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Dogman, I'm not going to lie. Dogman scares the hell out of me if it's real. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's the one I would do anything to see, but it's also the one I'd be like, no, I really didn't want to see that. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, I, uh, I don't think they, it, there's no reports yeah. in England. Well, actually, I can't say that. There's been a few in Scotland, actually, but I'm way down south, so I don't have to worry about them up there. <laughs> so interestingly, um, you know, <laughs> I grew up with... Uh, creature feature and and the horror movies uh from the 50s and 60s uh, a huge huge fan of hammer films um oh, yeah. <laughs> you know i absolutely loved christopher lee peter cushing all of the movies yeah. that they did together over there um Fantastic, yeah you know werewolf of london you know yeah um oh, i've heard the howl on the moors is one of the best representations of an actual dog man howl. Really? Which is apparently so, yeah. Um, I can't remember where I heard that, but I, that that howl always stays with me because it's the first horror film I ever watched. Yeah. And I still remember hiding behind the washing machine and my mum looking back and laughing at me and me going, this is terrifying, what are you doing? <laughs> so, you know, like over there, the the, the mythos of, of dog man... Um, Throughout your life, have you have there been stories of of actual werewolves? No, not that I'm aware of. Um, I've heard some recently. Now I've been looking into it, but they seem to be Scotland and up north, uh-huh. where it is a lot more uh, a lot more land and caves and trees and stuff like that. Whereas down south, you've got pockets of forest which you can tell used to be a big ancient forest, but the developers have thought, no, we won't destroy that forest just yet. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I'm cynical or anything, but that's what's happening down south. Yeah. Yeah. The the Greenland is being uh, built on a lot. So. Yeah. That's everywhere. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's move on. What what was the next, uh, the next thing that you Right, so I moved to a place uh, called Kirby Cross, um, which is uh, about 30 minutes from Colchester, where I live now. And um, I made this friend. He was into heavy metal. And I used to cycle around his house every every other evening, hang out with him and uh, play. There was one time uh, we would do... He, his, his house was an old um, orphanage back from the 1700s. And he always said it was haunted, which I found really fascinating. But I wasn't I wasn't scared. I didn't feel anything horrible when I was there. And I must have been about 15, 14 around this time. And uh, we were due to, I was going to have a, a sleepover. He had an old coach house out the back of his house. And it had a loft upstairs. 
So we were going to sleep up there one night because I was staying over. And um, I remember we went up there, we got all the sleeping bags out, the pillows, the pillows out, and then went back in his house and played on his computer. And uh, then when we went out to go to sleep, we went into the, the garage to climb up the ladder and all of our stuff was lying at the bottom of the ladder. So what, I remember like we just sort of thrown looked. down there. Yeah, yeah. They'd, I mean, I know his mum was watching TV in the lounge. She was the only other person in. Um, so it was at the bottom of the ladder. So we just sort of stood there and looked at each other. And I was like, right, I don't think the ghosts that you've been talking about want us to sleep up there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's let's try and deal with this for humour because that's, uh, you know, I think you sort of go, oh, well, maybe it was the wind or someone's playing a joke, something like that. So, I mean, nothing really more happened with that. So he went in his house and uh, he was telling me that there's an old well underneath their kitchen and he was stamping up and down on the ground and you could hear where there was solid ground and there was hollow ground. And I just remember thinking, God, this house is like really old. That well would have been outside at one point. And um, at that point I needed the toilet, so I went upstairs and... Um, I've, I've got to be honest about something here. Um, a long time ago, obviously back then, I, I was a bit of a, a bit of a horrible little criminal, I suppose you could say. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have much money, so I used to steal some of his albums because I liked the music, but I couldn't afford them. So it was like, okay, I'll have all Guns and Roses. I'll have that. And um, I remember. Uh, there was one time I'd visited on a different occasion and um, I went upstairs and with the intention of, you know, helping myself. And um, I thought, I'm just going to go to the toilet first. So I went to the toilet, turned the light off, uh, walked over to his room and just as I got to the uh, doorway, the light from the bathroom pinged back on. It was one of those string ones that you pulled it down. Mm-hmm. It, it pinged back on and I just sort of turned around and froze because I was like, oh. And then I uh, I remember just tearing down the stairs and bursting into the front room and I'd never even been in their front room or really introduced to their family properly. Yeah. But they were all in there with relatives and I think I burst in there with a lot of obscenities about <laughs> the light and turned itself on. And um, the other thing because um, nothing else further happened there. But the other thing that used to happen was every time I left the house, both my uh, mountain bike tyres were flat. And I didn't make the, the connection between the, you know, the criminal activity I was up to um, until years later when I suddenly thought about that. I never thought that tyres being flat was paranormal. But then I thought, the lights come on. That's a signal. That's like, uh, stop doing that, yeah. you know. So were your and then, were your tires like punctured, or was it just that the air was mm, let out? No, it was just the air was let out, and this happened about seven seven times on seven different occasions that I went round there. Wow! And I remember, and the ride was not that long, and it was on pavement. It's not like I was going across like a construction site to get to his house, mm-hmm. you know. So I remember driving past there a few years ago, and in my head saying, "Sorry about that." You know, just apologizing in case you're there. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, six or seven. I mean, that's that's a considerable uh, 
number of of instances of the same thing happening over and, and over again. Yeah, and the the funny thing is that I didn't twig. You know, nothing made me go, ah, oh, okay. I think that's like a a warning. You know. Yeah. But yeah, and then uh, sort of nothing, nothing else really there. I remember the story of his sister being ill, saying that she could see someone at the bottom of her bed in that house, but I don't really know about that story, just that that happened there, apparently. Built in the 1700s, man, that's a, you know, you would have to, you would, over here, you would have to really um, put a, a lot of effort into to discovering something that was built back in the, the late 1700s, even the 1800s. <laughs> You know, and, yeah. and I think that over where you're at, um, those kind of structures are are still still around and maintained, and I assume well, are fairly um, fairly easy to find. Well, well, actually, Colchester, where I live, is uh, Britain's first recorded uh, Roman capital. This is where they uh, first sort of set up camp, and Colchester used to be the capital of England. Um, and then they went to London, I think, because the Thames is a better river than what we have. But Colchester still has a castle um, and still find Roman artifacts to this day. Um, so I don't even know how far back that is. <laughs> wow. There's, you, you guys have, you have a much deeper history than, uh, than what we hear. That's for well, sure. Well, yeah, of what we're allowed to know, you mean. <laughs> well. <laughs> all right so where do we go from here uh the next one i think would be a woods um there's there's a place this is more of a local legend um it, a place called hartley woods um came to my attention one night i was uh, around my friend's house and we were planning to go camping i'd never been before and he said oh i'm gonna take you to a place called hartley woods i was like right okay and he said, something happened there last night when we went there with our dad. And I was like, right, because I knew his dad. He was a real hard ass. He'd been in the Falcons War. Um, and he was one of those people, you know, he weren't scared of anything. Yeah. And you didn't really like to sort of be around him because he was like, oh, he's so scary. Boy, that's a, that's a war. I got to just interject here. That, that's a war that, my God, I haven't heard of in years. I can remember watching um, – would that have been the late 80s, early 90s? Yes. It, uh, I think it was early 80s or mid-80s. Mid-80s? Yeah. yeah I can yeah. remember watching the, the Falkland Island conflict over there on our on our news here. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I guess that, that, that was oh, just no, a term I hadn't cool. heard in, in ages, so. Yeah. We hear, we hear it a fair bit over here. <laughs> well, I bet. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, so it was, and I was saying, "Oh right, so did you go last night?" He was like, "No, my other brother went." And I said, "Are they coming tonight?" And he was like, "No, they won't go." And I said, "They won't go. Why? What happened?" He said that his dad's they'd they'd been in their camp, and they'd, apparently there'd been some UFO reports over there recently. Um, by the way, when I say recently, this is nineteen ninety five, I think. Okay. And um, 
basically they they went into into the, the big bit of the forest. It's not a very big place at all. I could show you on Google Maps. You know, it's it's not a gigantic forest or anything. Um, but it's big. Uh, it's big for what it is. Um, and they went in there and um, they could hear. After a while, I think they'd been in there about two hours. They were just walking around. And they could hear this like fizzing sound, and they could see this light coming through the treetops. And I I don't know too much about how what they did or where they moved, but basically what they saw was like um you know a sparkler on fireworks night. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a giant sparkler at the top of the treetops, and all these sparks were coming down and landing on the ground. And they were just like, oh, maybe there's a power line that's sort of going crazy or whatever. Um, and then from that day, there is now a triangle marking underneath where where that happened. I went there a couple of months ago, and it's the, you can still see the triangle where um, the shrubbery and everything just stopped growing. It's, um, it's a bit of a pond now, a triangle pond which is really bizarre. But on, on the same night, when, when they were walking out after they'd seen that, they became aware that they, they kept feeling like they were being watched. Um, and after a while, they became aware that there was this black shadow about eight feet tall that was shadowing them. Really? And, um, and, and Dad was like, right, that's someone, you know, being an arse or whatever, playing a prank. So they went towards it, and they couldn't get close to it. It backed away, but it made no sound. And this was at the end of summer, so there was quite a lot of leaves on the floor, lots of crunching Mm -hmm. and twigs and stuff. And, um, yeah, it kept moving back. So they'd be like, oh, that's strange. And, like, they thought, okay, well, maybe let's keep going again and this this shadow followed them again but it always stayed about 10 meters away and it never came any closer but it never went any further if they went towards it it backed away 10 meters and then when they tried to get away from it it followed them and then it's moving um anti-clockwise around them but always keeping this distance and may making no sound and um He's uh, he. I remember this line because he he told me this. He said his um his dad turned to his son. And he went right. It's time to go, and his son sort of looked at his dad and said, "You know, you're not afraid of any any man, anything." He said, "I'm not afraid of any man." He said, "Whatever that is, it isn't a man." Oh, wow. And then they left, and that's what I was told about Hartley Woods, which. Um, yeah, that's a very, when I was growing up, it was a very famous sort of woods for being UFO ghosts. So, um, before you go any further with that, as, as far as the, um, the recalling of, of this story of, of your friend and his dad. Yeah. What, I mean, was it just a shadow or were they able to make out any, any substance to it? They but yeah, it was. He described it as like if you got a, a, a wooden cutout of a person and made it sort of eighty eight foot high, not eighty eight foot eight foot high. Um, said that's what it looked like. They couldn't see any features. They couldn't see any real sort of three Dness to it. 
So it was just but a that it was, Yeah, but it was definitely moving without making a sound and sort of gliding a bit. <clears throat> and obviously I've heard sort of gliding about Bigfoot, the way they walk. Yeah. But, yeah, obviously that was never that was never sort of confirmed as to what, what it was. But we we went there the next night. Nothing really happened. Um, the, the one strange thing that happened is we, we were walking around this big pine tree, um, really thick one, and uh, there was this ginormous bang the other side of the tree. It, it shook the ground, and you could tell it had only hit the floor about four or five metres away, the other side of this tree. And I remember we all stopped and sort of looked at each other. Couldn't hear anything else, so we carried on going. But sort of... What was the sound? What did it sound like? Was it wood on wood or... No, it was on the mud. It was... um, You know, it sounded like a boulder the size of a car being dropped on the floor. Oh, like a tremendous thud. Yeah, yeah, really like it. You could feel the 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 vibration through the through the mud that we're walking on. Yeah, and it's that's one of those things I always think now. I wish we'd have paid more attention to that because that's really odd. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of thing. You know, you don't get giant boulders falling down out of a tree. No, you don't, um, and they don't fall from the sky either. Um, it, it's no. it's interesting though. You know, I mean, here uh, I'm. I'm not going to say I'm an expert. There are no experts. I'm, I'm not, but I'm, I'm very used to, um, very used to hearing the accounts of people who have Bigfoot experiences here in the U S um, yeah. British Columbia up in Canada and stuff like that. And there's a, there's a, a inordinate amount of uh, consistency between many of the reports, you know, whether it's tree knocking or you're hearing howling or, you know, there's a foul odor, um, there seems to be a lot of consistency with people who have put their eyes on them, how they move, how they seem to glide rather than um, bob up and down when they walk, stuff like that. But the the thing that doesn't get talked about a lot, but enough that it kind of kind of goes into the file folder in the back of my brain as as something that is somewhat consistent is yeah. the number of people who who claim that these things are at times arboreal where they they reside in the trees and then there's also a number of stories where people have witnessed them dropping from the trees down to the down to the ground oh with, yeah with a very loud thud you know that's a tremendous oh, yeah. tremendous amount of weight hitting the ground at once <laughs> yeah yeah and that... I, I wonder uh, that fits yeah it does yeah I still think 99% of people me included are having trouble thinking Bigfoot's in England unless it is interdimensional which is where I lean towards actually so yeah why do you think yeah. that, why do you think that it's uh, why, interdimensional no um, why do you think that there's it would have to be dimensional to be in the UK well, because you'd think, is there the game for it to feed on? Is there, I mean, I know there is ginormous swaths of Greenland in England that go from Scotland to Wales, down to where I am, and then down to Cornwall. That's the whole of England. You could walk that way and not see a single person. It is possible. Um, but 
it would just seem there's too much to me it would seem like surely there's too much farmland there's no gigantic swabs of forest or um you know like say in oregon or something mm-hmm. um it's all sort of smaller forests there's the odd big forest but it's still not anything compared to america or france um yeah but then there is reports of uh the, what do they call it the oh, i forget what they call it in england wood roast the wood, wolves, wood roast. Yeah. yeah that's it and that has actually been reported um quite close to where i am around norwich um that sort of area there's a lot of pubs that are called the green man and stuff like that yeah you know and i know there's some there's some connotation to the green man as being um having some relation to pan and and some of the um uh more pagan recognized gods yeah with a little g I, I just wanted to go back to something that you said you know as far as um you know food sources uh, without having you guys don't seem to have a lot of wild game uh no exactly know. but the interesting thing for me is that the the deeper i get into this the more and more people that i talk to that that do the best that they can to to research these things and and to try to get uh try to get a blueprint for what it is they do and 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 what they um what they try to eat and stuff like that there's one guy in particular robert Kreider, um from new mexico who has a has a great presentation in fact today's episode that i released uh, uh today is a is a presentation he gave about an hour long at a bigfoot conference that i was a vendor at recently uh-huh. and he had uh, several photographs, slides during his presentation, and the um, the analysis of the scat that was left and and that they found um, pine needles, um, different kinds of types of pine nuts, uh, Russian olives, uh, and you know they seem to be able to exist on berries and and tubers and and other things you know um obviously large animals would be a a huge plus as far as protein but yeah but they don't have to have it at least not on a regular basis you know and there's even reports from him that he found uh piles of of bird remains where the the feathers were basically plucked and seemed to be placed down into a um, a very neat little pile. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, it, that's actually made me remember a story from last year. One of the forests I was talking about, Fetford Forest, it's quite famous. It's near Norwich. It's not too far from Rendlesham Forest either. Oh, I recognize um, that name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and there was a, a deer. I think you'd be able to Google this story. Um, I'll try and Google it and send it to you. Where a um, a, a deer's um, a deer's body was found, and I think its ears had been ripped from its head, um, sort of down the side of its face, either side. And it's like there has been reports of a wild man, as they call it, around the area. Yeah. Recently, because I was trying to get a friend to go with me, but he wouldn't, so uh, I didn't. But uh, you know. <laughs> um, 
and that that area, this area that it happened in, has its own ecosystem apparently because of the type of land it is. Um, it's near the Norfolk Broads, um, but yeah, apparently a wild man's been sighted by the road, and then this deer turns up with his ears ripped off. And England doesn't have any predators that would do that, mm-hmm. other than humans, I suppose. Yeah. Well, you'd want to do that, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the being up close to a deer, um, their hooves are deadly. If you t- yeah. if you take a shot with a hoof to your to your head, um, it's not going to end up well for you. So, for for no. just a, a an average person or even somebody who is a survivalist uh, to to grab a deer by the ears and and uh, peel its skin back that that seems somewhat unlikely. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure there's a photo as well. Um, so I'll try and dig that out for you and find it because I remember going oh wow there's a photo okay because it's not it's not something you really hear much are you guys are you guys over there are you fascinated by the topic of bigfoot in a wild man i think it's definitely growing um i think since the podcasts are starting to really take hold Mm um you know i do see people with um hoodies on of podcasts are recognized and stuff like that yeah. but it's it's not mainstream by any stretch but i know uh, like finding bigfoot and stuff like that's getting big on um on sky uh on the travel channel and stuff like that mm-hmm. and obviously the skinwalker ranch has been a big episode and right. yeah i suppose with ghost adventurers and the ufo files and ufo hunters the, yeah, yeah i think there's a lot more paranormal groups in england now than there ever has been that's great that's awesome to hear um so speaking of rendlesham quickly i've camped there many times i've never seen anything I've camped literally looking over where Charles Holt saw the UFO land in the Uh, field. And uh, I don't know which story you hear. There's so many reports that on the third night, second night, there was a row of uh, government people in the field um, filming and watching from the far side. I've only seen, I've only heard that reported in one documentary and there's hundreds on it. But the thing I wanted to talk about or just quickly bring up is when the internet first started, I remember uh, Googling Rendlesham and finding this story that had a map of where this had happened, but I can't find it. And I've been looking for 10 years now. The description of these five creatures that were seen is basically Captain Caveman. They were these four, five foot high, fully hairy creatures that had no arms. <laughs> basically, they looked like Captain Caveman. And I have and is, I remember seeing, what is Captain Caveman? Uh right, that's a cartoon from the seventies. So okay. he's basically he's so hairy that the only thing you can see is his nose poking out of the hair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and his feet. You All can right. see his feet and his nose, and he's just a big hairy well, he's not big, he's about four or five feet tall. But yeah, he was a cartoon character, but th- that was a description given. And I remember thinking, wow, look, they've got a map of exactly where this happened. I want to go there. I've uh, read, I remember I've read a ton of, tons of stuff about Rendlesham's, uh, uh, the, the experiences that happened there. And I don't, I don't remember ever coming across yeah. hear, hearing that. That's interesting. Every time I ask, every time I ask someone, 
because um, it was it was it wasn't it, it was before mobile phones. I remember I had to go on my sister's computer with the old dial up, you know, the mm. thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, you know, it was an old website. It was loading up slowly, and it had this map and all these creatures. But I've spoken to everyone I can think of. Nobody's heard that story, or knows um, what these little Captain Caveman hairy creatures are. And because I can't find the story, I can't go to where it happened or sort of have a look into it, you know? Yeah. So is, so the, is the military base, is that still a, a functioning base there? No, it's not functioning anymore. I think, I don't know if you're aware of a show called Top Gear. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. It's a car. It's, yeah, it's a car show. That's where they do the the race track and uh, test cars there now. Oh, um, really? It's completely, yeah, it's completely... Um, abandoned now. Uh, it's still got all the fences up and the runway still there, and the ginormous, you know, tracks going in and out the forest. And I assume um, since you've camped there several times, there's no, there's no issues with with getting onto that property or anything. There's no, no. You're you're allowed in most of the forest, just like the report when they they go outside of the base to chase the lights. Right. Um, that bit's still open to the public. They, I think they knocked down the big chunk of it where it landed and he supposedly touched it. But they've mapped it all out and there's actually a little model of a spaceship where it's meant to have landed now. There's a little it's trail. A really? Yeah, they've made a bit of a... Yeah, yeah they've it. made a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a thing to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. But, um, I, mean, I mean, over here, there's, there's a couple of places that... Uh, I believe out east, maybe in Maine, if I'm remembering right, there's a town that had a, a very uh, significant um, UFO sighting, and there's there's actually a yeah. a, a plaque that's uh, got a monument with it that that was erected to uh, you know just to, to memorialize the uh, the incident. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, awesome. Actually, I'll tell you my two UFO sightings. They're, they're quite quick. Um, the first one I didn't know was a UFO sighting until 15 years later when I saw it on a documentary. Um, so it's broad daylight. Um, about four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm walking down the street and I look up and I can see what looks like a white rectangle. Um, I can see the sky through the middle of it. And it's blue, but there's a white rectangle, and it looks like it's kind of made of smoke. I'm walking down the street, and I look up at it again, and I think, that's really odd. But I was into the X-Files at the time. I remember it had just come out uh -huh. in England. Show. and I remember great show. Incredible. It's been, it's been my ringtone forever. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I remember looking up and thinking, well, it's not a UFO because um, it's not a flying saucer or a triangle or something else, you know. Right, right. I walk a bit further down the road, I look up, and there's this white line coming out of the bottom left-hand corner of the square. It's the same smoky-looking uh, substance that the, that the rectangle's made of. It stretches downwards on a diagonal path, and this is pretty high up as well. It's not close or anything. Like nobody else would notice it unless they looked up. Yeah. And then another square forms, another rectangle forms. And then the first rectangle that's up higher 
moves down the white line and joins with the bottom one. And then I go into my girlfriend's house because I didn't really realise what I was looking at. I didn't think it was anything special. And then years later, I've got this UFO book. It had a picture of um, the Devil's Tower, is it? Is that the one out Close Encounters? Yes. Yeah, it had that on the front and a blue light behind it, and it was in that book, um, a photo of this being filmed in over a cornfield in Somerset, I think it was, and it was the exact same thing. And that was like, oh, wow, I've seen that. You know, so there was a, liter- a literal photograph of what you saw. Yeah, and uh, footage as well um, on a really old documentary. It must have been late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. I used to, I used to have it. <laughs> on a VHS uh, tape? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, scotch. <laughs> um, and so what, what, my, did that, yeah. what did that do to you when you when you saw that and you recognized what, what were your that's feelings? The strange, that's the strange thing about it. Like years later, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I've seen that. But at the time, I was completely like, it didn't mean anything. It was like, oh. I don't know what that is, kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I don't know why I didn't think, well, hold on, what's going on up there, you know? Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, the the other one, the second one I saw um, was the famous Black Triangle, um, which has been seen over Colchester for the past 20, 20 30 years, actually. Um, and... This was about six years ago. Hold on. No, about eight years ago. Seven, eight years ago, I was um, in Colchester, just sitting out the back of my house, having a cigarette. Um, Clear night, very quiet, nothing happening. I look up, looking at the sky, always do, you know, try and see, oh, that's a satellite, that's a satellite. Um, Oh, that's a satellite that flashes. Why is it doing that? But, you know, it's not a UFO, it's a satellite. I know that. And this then was I see the, these three this, geese. This was in the evening, I assume? Yeah, about 3 a.m. I remember I couldn't sleep. Um, so I'm looking up and I see these three geese. I'm like, oh, look, three geese flying in perfect triangle formation. And then I sort of kept looking. Thought there's something unusual right, about the way they look. That, like that's too mechanical and then i sort of focused in and i noticed that it was a triangle with really pale white lights on each end which is what i thought were geese because it was almost exactly the same brightness that the geese reflect light down from the street lights at night and um, guess at at what uh, elevation they were what altitude (sighs) how far it's so hot. It wasn't that high. It was pretty low down, and it made absolutely no sound. It didn't even make a swishing sound, or humming, or anything. Mm. It was it was the equivalent of three birds silently flying over the top without flapping their wings. Yeah. And that's why I thought, God, if I didn't look up, I wouldn't have had a clue that just passed over the top of me. And I remember following it for as long as I could because I suddenly twigged as to exactly what it was because I'd always looked for the black triangle, especially since I moved to Colchester because I knew it was famous for it. And then it was like, yes, I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) And I sort of watched it go into the horizon. How often did you uh, 
make a habit of of going and sitting outside staring up at the sky at at three o'clock in the morning uh i was always in the back because i'm a smoker i'm always out the back smoking looking at the sky so i was probably out there more than most people um but yeah it wasn't it wasn't really a ufo spotting thing um i've been ufo spotting and you don't see anything (laughs) you know yeah because you can't you can't pin down a ufo like you can a ghost you know they're in possibly in that house right but you know there's hot spots but yeah so that was one of those one of those moments that made me really happy like wow that's been validated i've heard about that now i've seen it with my own eyes do you do you yeah. have a a guess at you know what a size size to this i reckon so i reckon it was about I would, I reckon about 60, 70 meters um, up. So it really wasn't that high. And I would say it looked about the size of, I'd say about the size of like uh, a limousine, but, but no, no, not a limousine, like a bus, about the length of a bus with the triangle coming out from the back kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But it so, was just so decent size. I mean, it wasn't blocking out the entire sky, but it was. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, sizable. I mean, the, most reports around here that people always say the size of a football fit pitch, um, but I can't say that. All I can say, I think the thing that just makes it so bizarre when you're looking at it is it's not making any sound, mm-hmm. and it's that big and it's moving that fast and it's like well hold on this my brain can't my, my brain's not <laughs> paradalia you know yeah. so, my brain's not happy with this so you indicate you're indicating that it was moving rather quickly yeah i think i could see it for probably four or five seconds but it went right over the top of me just to the right so i got a really good look at it um after i'd really focused in on it it was starting to get too far away so i just sort of watched the shape move into the horizon and just those yeah three three very dim lit corners that's it i couldn't make out any i could make out the triangle but i couldn't make out any definition no lights no other lights rather mm-hmm. um but just the no sound thing it's just so crazy to see that it makes no sound like there's not even a hum and it was such a quiet night. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely make you take notice. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, that's one of the things I'm really happy about that. I, uh, that I saw that. So have you yeah. been surprised by the, uh, the, at least our government? I know, I know over on your side, uh, there, there has been a little bit more transparency, throughout the the past 20 years about the subject matter in fact they had uh, uh the guy's name eludes me at the moment but uh he's on a, yeah. a lot of different uh shows now he used to be part of the ministry uh, ministry of defense um in england yeah nick pope nick pope yes um, yeah he's the one <laughs> but, he know, was on this might you might find this interesting. He's on a program called Strange but True in England. This is back when we had four TV channels, like we were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah. He was on there while working with the Ministry of Defence, being anti-Rendlesham, you know, debunking it. And then obviously years later, he's on the other side, 
So it's interesting to see if you can find it because you see him being the opposite of what he is now. Yeah. Well, we had yeah. we had one uh, one such personality here as well, uh, Alan J. Hynek, who uh, oh, okay. for years was a part of Project Blue Book, and uh, his job was to debunk and uh, um, discredit these stories. And then by the end of his career, he had completely flipped flopped and uh, was was a huge proponent for the uh, the existence of these. Yeah, stories. you would think that when you after a while you're like, look you've told me to do this job to debunk stuff, but this stuff's not debunkable. You know, why right. are you guys doing this? <laughs> Have you been? But to- yeah, sorry. Oh, that's all right. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, you asked about, I think you were going to say um, about the UFO sort of um, releases. Lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how, how does that make you feel? You know, having, having witnessed one and then, <sighs> and then now to see, you know, the government's, uh, I call it a soft disclosure because, uh, yeah, they, oh, it's they, very soft. There. Well, you know, it's and coming they, out in little drips and grabs. It is, and they decided to uh, <laughs> drop the bombshell on at least on our nation, uh, right smack in the in the heat of our um, pandemic. So yeah, you know, it was extremely yeah. overshadowed, and uh, yeah, <laughs> um, very similar. You've, I think you've got you've you've got a general consensus that people believe in aliens in England, but they're not really seriously believing what they're saying. I don't think um, it's uh, yeah that I think it's a lot more. There's a lot of people that have seen UFOs in England. I think more than anything else. Um, but yeah, it, it's quite exciting, isn't it? Where are they going to go? Why are they revealing it now? Yeah. Is there really space fleet on the moon? Is Elon Musk an alien? It's just like <laughs> such an exciting time to be like, come on, let's see. Yeah. Give us full disclosure. <laughs> it's interesting. It, it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, I don't know what I was expecting when, uh, you know, like here in the States, they had a congressional committee that went on for some time and then they were going to release some more documentation uh, after that and and they did and there was uh there was a little bit more that trickled out um because i think they even they even released the phrase um unexpected pregnancies as a ah, as a part of uh some of the um things associated with with these and you know that that in itself I can't believe that 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 was released, and then there has not been just this this massive uh, outcry of people saying, "What are you talking about? Uh, unexpected yeah. preg- pregnancies? What what does that mean?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unexpected. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's uh, it's it's so crazy. I think the thing I have noticed in England, um, and this isn't this isn't political, but it. It, it because of covid and because of the resentment towards the masks and the and the not go outside after this time there's a lot of resentment for the press and what i see underneath everything now on social media is angry people shouting at whoever has posted this whichever news agency it is mm. so if it's a ufo story there's just a complete mix of bombarded, crazy, angry people underneath. Really? You know, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's twisted things up here. It really has, yeah. 
<clears throat> These are strange times. It is, yeah. So, shall I tell you the cauliflower story? Well, I think you have to now. <laughs> the <laughs> cauliflower story. So this is uh, this is the big story, I suppose. Um, I used to run music venues. Um, I used to. I lived in Colchester, and uh, the man I was working with um, was uh, looking to move. He wasn't happy with the music business in Colchester how it was performing. So he found this big, ginormous pub in uh, just outside of London called Ilford. It's a borough of London, um, and. It held 700 people downstairs, whereas the one we had was 150. So it's like, well, that's that's really good. We can we we should we should do that, you know. And uh, I looked it up, and it's this big, ginormous, three-story uh, old gin distillery. Um, apparently, they don't know when it was built. I googled that the other day after we spoke, and I was, it said we don't know when it was built. I, was like, I don't buy that, but okay. But anyway, I had to go up um, once he decided that was what was going to happen. Um, the building had been sat empty for a couple of weeks and I went up on my own to sort of collect the keys and stay the night on my own and uh, the others were going to come up the next day. So um, I sort of get there. I haven't been in the house. And uh, oh, the house, it's like a mansion. It's ginormous. It had an office on the second floor. Um, which could ha hold about 30 people, um, all these other rooms. Um, the stairs were ginormous. And um, so anyway, so there's the bar downstairs, which is a music venue, takes up the entire bottom floor. And then back, you've got the stairs going up. And uh, so the first time I went in there, I was hit with this amazing musty smell of, wow, this building is old. Like you could just... I'd, you could smell the history almost. Then I walked up the stairs into the landing and this, it was just ginormous. The, these stairs um, that went up, they went up um, really shallow. <laughs> so they didn't go up steeply. They were really shallow. And there was about 40 of these steps that led up to the third floor. And I'd chosen for some reason, I'm going to have that top right room. I don't know why I want to be out of the way of everyone. And uh, that first night, I had to stay there on my own. But the first night was like, there's something about this place. This this place isn't welcoming at all. Like, I couldn't put my finger on it at the time. But um, I stayed the night in the front room, um, wrapped up in my sleeping bag, but I didn't move. I just felt so edgy. I couldn't put my finger on it. I just felt really, really edgy. And I'm not, I'm not like that. You know, I wanted to explore the whole house, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm just going to stay here. So nothing, <clears throat> nothing happened that night. Um, and then, uh, we got to know the new staff and stuff like that. And they'd say, oh, the place is haunted. And, uh, I'd be like, yeah, of course it is. It's an old pub. Um, pubs in England are generally haunted. I think that's the general consensus you know we've got six seven hundred year old pubs they're usually the oldest buildings in every city or town yeah um so what was my first thing that happened there uh the first thing that happened was the barmaid um 
I'll call her Sue because I can't remember her actual name. And uh, Sue was telling me some of the stuff that had happened. And she said that there used to be a, a girl that worked there that had left. And on a really busy night, um, she'd gone down into the cellar to change a barrel and uh, had a bit of trouble putting the barrel on. But she'd come back upstairs, all fine, no, no major issues. And uh, after about 10 minutes, everyone noticed she had this ginormous black eye. Uh, basically, we don't know how it got there. She doesn't know how it got there. Um, she had a ginormous black eye um, after going down into the cellar. Um, and then she quit, I think, a day, well, I think the very next day because she she was a believer in the paranormal. And did she, she was like... Did you feel being struck? Or did, no, she or didn't feel anything. Developed. It just developed. It just developed, yeah. Huh. Um, and uh, the next, the next, uh, I'm just trying to think, just trying to put things in chronological order. So that was the first time I was aware that there might be something not very nice here. And I've never dealt with that. I've always, I've gone, I've gone ghost hunting loads. Um, it's fine when you can go somewhere and go, oh, that was scary, then go home. But when you live with it, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> It really is. Um, I started getting migraines, really strange, like almost ice cream, you know, the ice cream headache. Yeah. Um, I started getting migraines an awful lot. And my room had this, uh, my room had this smell to it that I couldn't get out. It was a strange kind of perfume smell. And I, no matter what I did, and this went on over months, it was always smelling of perfume really strong perfume so i'd get into bed and be like jesus that's gonna flip and make me choke you know yeah and um eventually i think i got bought a load of air fresheners and just made the room smell different but um around this time of this smell my i had one of those touch lamps never had any problems with it but every time i'd go to sleep it used to flash just flash 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 on and off and i'd be like i'd unplug it and one night I'd unplugged it and it flashed three more times. Oh. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, three more times. Brilliant. This was obviously, I've just made that connection this very second, but the three is always the Holy Trinity, isn't it? Well, that's what On they ghost say, programs. Yeah. yeah, but I've only now realized that. But, <laughs> and yeah, so that was like, okay, this is pretty uncomfortable. What am I going to do? I've just moved 50 miles from where I live. Um, I've, I live in the pub. I run the pub or assistant manager. I can't, I can't just go. Um, okay, we can live with this. I've done ghost hunting, you know, I know, I know, know what I'm doing. Um, so the next thing that happened, I'm getting these, these migraines and they're causing me to get in trouble with my boss because I can't go to work. Uh -huh. So I'm upstairs of the pub and I can hear music downstairs and it's like, Jesus, I can't go to work. I keep getting these migraines. And I've never suffered from migraines before, not not to the extent I was here. Um, so continuing on from that, there's one night I'm working, I've got to run upstairs, I've forgot the keys to the tills. So I'll run upstairs, go across the landing, up the stairs. Uh, my landing is... Uh, to, to, to my bedroom there was no one else on my floor there was uh, two bar staff that lived on the first floor and my manager lived below me um, so I'm walking around the landing um, 
get into my bedroom, pick up uh, the keys that I'm after. I think I literally grab a pack of cigarettes, head straight back out my room. I go onto the landing and I stop dead in my tracks. Um, the wallpaper has come away from the wall in six different places on this landing. There is three doors that have appeared on my right. Literally, they've been pushed open. They've been wallpapered over. And Whoa, these wait doors a have been... All right, wait a minute. So you're saying that the, the wallpaper peeled off to reveal three doors that had been hidden, uh, hidden by the wallpaper? I'm literally saying that the doors pushed through the wallpaper. Whoa. So the wallpaper was still on the wall, but except where the, the, these doors had ripped through the wallpaper. Now, I didn't hear anything when I was gathering my stuff in my room, and I had my door open when I ran into my room. So obviously I'm standing there and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, I've been ghost hunting, but this is incredible. Um but I'm also terrified because yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking for this right now. I'm trying to go to work, you know. So there's these three doors on my right, and then there's a big long wall in front of me, and there's three doors along there. And me and my manager had no idea these doors were here; they'd been wallpapered over. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking about this now. I had a look in the middle one of the three on my right. And there was another little door inside this, inside the loft. It wasn't a proper room. It was just the loft. Um, and there was another little door going into more of the roof. And I just remember shutting all the doors. And that's the only time I ever dealt with those doors. <clears throat> Which, looking back now, is like, wow, what's behind those doors, you know? Wow. And I know it's currently closed because I, as I said, Googled it the other day due to a fire. It's been closed indefinitely, but the building is still there. That's, um, that's weird. <laughs> it seems it seems really weird, but I think this, this adds up with something later as to why I didn't investigate. Having a background of being in a ghost group and looking for UFOs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's really strange. Uh, I think it might be because I live there and I was like, nope, I don't want this here. <laughs> you, you, don't want, you don't want to open that up into your everyday existence. Exactly. If I pretend it's not there, then it's not there. I, 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 I like to go ghost hunting. I don't want ghosts to come and say, hey. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Stay where you're at. <laughs> yeah, but I, I still find it incredibly bizarre that none of us ever wanted to go in there or go and look like there could have been it's, it sounds a bit over the top but there could have been treasure or something valuable hidden deep within the loft you know yeah. um and then sort of my final the final thing that happened there before i was like okay this is enough was um one night i remember it was snowing <clears throat> um this is near the end of my time at the cauliflower i was meant to be there for years but i was only there three months because, um, well, it wasn't until I left that I became aware that I, I don't think it was an attachment, but it was definite oppression, which, um, you know, is one of the first steps of possession, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was like a fogginess, but I'll, I'll get to that at the end because then it makes more sense because I, I didn't have any sort of spiritual feeling or an open... <sighs> I'm quite, 
how do I explain it? I go with my gut a lot. And it felt like while I was at the cauliflower, my gut was um, covered up. You know, I didn't have any intuition. It was like my intuition was blocked. Oh, I but that didn't, yeah. became, that, that didn't become clear to me until I'd left. And then it was like, wow, that was being blocked or something. At least that's what it says to me, you know. Yeah. But the yeah, one of the, one of the nights there, um, we had been having a party, but it was snowing. My boss and the two uh, bar staff that worked at the pub had gone out on the piss, as we say. And I remember it was about twelve a.m. and I could hear them outside. And I was looking out the window all the way down. They're quite small because I was on the very top floor. Um, and they were walking past, throwing a snowballs at each other something like that and I remember sort of laughing to myself and uh, sitting down sitting down to watch some football or soccer um, and I would remember sitting there for a good hour and a half and I knew they hadn't come back in because they'd just text me to say um, oh we're at a nightclub now don't wait up kind of thing because I had to go down and um, set the security code before I went back to bed because um, Ilford's quite a rough area um, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get in trouble with locals now <laughs> but <laughs> but no it is you know uh, I don't know if you know the boxer Nigel Ben um, he's he's from Ilford so it's a good spit and sawdust kind of place very gotcha. cockney very uh, apples and pears you know the, the whole nine um, but on this night so I'm sitting there watching uh, watching the football and I'm thinking oh, I can't sleep I don't feel tired. And then all of a sudden there's this ginormous bang on my door followed by another bang. And it was one of those moments where I sort of looked at the door and knew inside what it was. Like I knew they hadn't come back. Um, I knew they hadn't come back because um, I'd have had to let them in. And I knew how old this place was. But the bang, bang just uh i think i sat in my seat for about half an hour just staring at the door and then looking back at the telly and staring at the door i didn't know what to do because i thought i'm not going out onto the landing because i know it's pitch black so i've turned the light off i know it's not a draft because that was bang bang and it, it literally was the weight of um a good sized man running at a door and kicking a door with the bottom of his foot you know it it was it was a hefty bang, yeah. like the door shuttered and everything. Um, no mistaking it. No mistaking it whatsoever. That That is one of those moments where I'm like, the paranormal is real because that is it. You know, I know I've said the light turned on, but then maybe I didn't pull it all the way off. Um, you know, that's that's one of those bit moments when I go right. That's like the black UFO, which was after that. But that is proof to me that the paranormal is a hundred percent real. Yeah. Um. So basically, what I ended up doing after half an hour, I don't know what to do. So I rang uh, my uh, uh, one of the briar, the bar staff, and I was like, right, you really need to come back. I've really, I've had some bad news. I think I said my mum had died just to make sure she'd come back because she wasn't going to come back. Oh, and she got in the room and I said, I'm so sorry, that's a lie. So she had a go at me, but she found it funny because she was pretty drunk at this point. And she sat down and said, what do you want then? And I said, I told her what had happened. And I said, I want you to stay in my room. <laughs> 
I said, you're not going, I can't leave this room right now and you're not going. So she was like, oh, all right, then I don't care. Can I put a film on? So she put a film on and I went to bed. Um, this was like an, an L-shaped room. So I had the sofa round round one side of the L and the bed was the other side. Um, and she's and then I heard her put on um, uh, it's a program in England um, called Most Haunted, which started before Ghost Adventures. It was I, one of the first I, sort I've of ghosts. here, yeah. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. That was a good show. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. They they had a few a few people caught out. There's a few stories, but the places they caught some really good stuff. Um, but she, I had that season box set, and she decided to put that on. And I just remember lying in bed going, "Oh my god, you're joking! <laughs> <laughs> Not tonight, you know? <laughs> no." And that is what happened to me until I left. Um, I mean, what, what happened then was I was like, right, I've got to leave this this place because that wasn't that wasn't a hello. That was that was something. It felt very malicious. Very, it didn't feel felt very dark. You know, it didn't feel good at well, all. Well, and on top of that, you were experiencing some physical uh, abnormalities with your uh, your migraine headaches and yeah. So, so um, you're thinking that yeah. this was a, a an oppressive entity. Um, I feel like it was more than one. Really? Uh, I feel like entities, yeah. I mean, there was a there was a lot of photos behind the bar. The bar was a protected monument because I think there's photos of it on, on Google because it's this ginormous, I think it's a 17th century bar built out of one bit of wood, but it is ginormous and it's, it's like stunning architecture. But there's all these photos of black and white men with big handle bar moustaches and their worker hats and it's like yeah this would have been their place and it it just felt like they didn't like me that's the kind of impression i got if it was them but it i always kind of assumed it was but you know the the darkness and the oppression maybe they were there as well as something else and if it was an orphanage and they the, you've got these strange little rooms in the loft yeah. i was thinking oh dear is that what happened to some kids like hundreds of years ago they got stuffed in the loft they, they were not a they were not a kind place for uh children to to be no no not at all um so basically i couldn't wait i couldn't wait to get out of there um I'm just trying to think. Yes, that's right. So once I left, I became aware that this weight had been lifted that had been there since the day I got there. Was that, everything did, that happen, kind of, did that happen pretty quickly after leaving? I think it was about two days. It was about two days. I sort of went, wow, isn't this weird? I feel myself again. Like, I feel like the weight's been lifted. But I didn't know it was there until I until I left. But now looking back, it's one hundred and ten percent there because everything went wrong at that place. Um, you had fruit machines that used to fall over and smash um, in the middle of the night. Uh, glasses would fly off the bar. Um, it was a very violent neighbourhood. There'd always be a stabbing or something. Was was the local uh, the local history uh, of this place? I mean. 
I guess that's another way to ask it. Uh, was was it a known uh, a known spot for uh, having a reputed haunting? Did people yeah, recognize this, it as that? Yeah, this particular pub was. I mean, I because I used to move to pub to pub with the music business thing. Um, I used to always think, oh, I hope this one's haunted because I thought it would be fun and exciting. But yeah, <laughs> I don't want it to be haunted by where, whatever that was. But yeah, and the the migraine stopped as well. I think that was one of the things that made me go, wow. Hold on a minute, you know. I'm putting two and two together here. And um, I always wanted to go back and look in the loft, but I never did. Because shortly after I left, um, it it became a restaurant. And then, um, as, as I said, it's uh, been closed, I think, for a couple of years due to a fire. Are you still uh, in the area of it? Yeah, I live um, probably about an hour from um, Ilford, yeah. Colchester's quite close, but it's just one of those, one of those places. If you get the train from Colchester to London, you always pass it on the backside of it because the train uh, train track goes right behind it. And I always look at it out of the window, like, oh, what is it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but after having got out of there and 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 nothing followed you, nothing. No, and I feel really lucky about that. Having, you know, being a lot more sort of, you know, watching a lot more shows and being a lot more switched on to attachments and haunted objects and stuff like that. I'm I'm pretty grateful that didn't happen because it really could have. Um, but I, I guess it was um, stuck to that house, whatever it was. Now, earlier you brought up uh, interdimensional as a, as a term... I think yeah. it gets somewhat overused, in my opinion. Um, yeah, especially when talking about you know Bigfoot and and stuff like that. But the more and more that I get into this stuff, I'm almost wondering if this uh, what what so many people refer to as interdimensional. Um, I almost am starting to feel that frequency plays a big part in in the experiences that we're talking about ufos awesome. um bigfoot poltergeist yeah. activity ghosts you know if if the if the the frequency changes ever so slightly and and we, we yeah. kind of go out of phase out of phase with with what we're used to does that yeah. does that open something that allows us to see beyond that's the thing isn't it i think i think there's definitely seems to be people that are more sensitive to it i um, agree and the more i talk to people the more i find people that have had and i guess the argument could be made that if you're if you're crazy enough to say that you saw a ufo then you're crazy enough to say you've seen a bigfoot or crazy enough to say that you've had a haunting um you know <clears throat> but i think the more I talk to people, the more I find that people who have had one sort of an experience have yeah. had a number of different types of experiences. And I can say that for myself as well. Yeah. And there, yeah. there's something to that. Now, whether, whether they're just more sensitive, um, more open to it, um, 
I don't know what it is, but it seems to me that with our view, visual acuity, we're only capable of seeing light in certain frequencies. We can't see an infrared. We can't see an ultraviolet. That's right. And yeah. our, our hearing is also limited in frequency. We can only hear up to a high point of whatever frequency, and we can not hear below another frequency on the low end, but we can feel it. And you know what's interesting about what you're talking about frequency? There's something that I always do when I'm when I look at the legitimacy of videos. I look for interference. I think some of the best Bigfoot and Dogman videos have interference, and I think that's something to do with what you're saying. You know, there's a veil or something that's having problems, and that's why that's why cameras give such horrible pictures. I think. You know, you've got these people that have HD-ready cameras and then they post it on YouTube and it looks like, you know, it's it's a Nokia from 99 or something, you know? And surely frequencies, yeah, would definitely interfere. In so many paranormal uh, accounts, you know, batteries are, are dropping out. You know, fully charged yeah. batteries are going dead. Um, energy and frequency, I think... To me, I think are are the keys. I think that uh, you know, obviously, there's there's a lot to a lot of work to to go into trying to figure it out. But I just can't help but think that energy and and frequency are are, yeah. are two really big, really big components to virtually everything. There's there's a there's another story actually. I've just remembered. I went ghost hunting, um, and we there's there's a pond. Um, that's quite it's not famous but it was in an old book called haunted uh haunted colchester i think it was called something like that the author was wesley downs because i went and met him and was like i've seen a ufo you know and, <laughs> and he went of course you have young man here's my signature off you go but um yeah his books are really good but um they we went to this pond where apparently a carriage sort of in the 1800s had gone um off the off the road and the horses had pulled um a bride i believe into the pond and she drowned and um he he had an addictophone with him and we recorded the sound of a carriage and a splash um i mean this was years ago i've no idea where he is anymore but how you know we couldn't see anything we couldn't hear anything with our own eyes uh, our own ears rather but we call it on the addictophone so it's like how's like you say did it record a frequency we can't hear right well you know i just had uh had an opportunity uh, just a couple of weeks ago to um go to a, a cottage um that was built in 1921 it looks like it had been completely renovated um from the from the skeleton out it was a very nice place very clean but the guys that invited us out had said that they were having uh some unusual stuff cold spots um, chills out of nowhere footsteps uh coming down the the stairway from the upstairs to the main floor and uh you know we went there and uh the the goal was to 
do something neat, do a podcast while we were doing an actual investigation. Um, and it was, yeah. it was fun and it was a cool idea. Um, but having had four different people mic'd up the entire time and the investigation going for about four and a half hours from, from one in the morning till, uh, I think four thirty or maybe even closer till five o'clock in the morning. Um, there is an inordinate amount of <laughs> audio that I've had to be going through. And I was really hoping to, uh, to be able to put that show out relatively quick and uh, yeah. it, it will come out. I promise you that. Um, but it is taking much longer because uh, having, having had each one of the four of us mic'd up, yeah, I purchased a, a a really neat set of wireless mics that would allow somebody to investigate the basement while the other guy was investigating the upstairs, and um, some of us being on the main floor, you know, kind of at ground central. Well, <clears throat> the microphones, even though they transmit the audio wirelessly to my equipment, they also record on board to the, right. to its own little unit. So what I have found is that not only do I have to go through the audio that was being transmitted back to my equipment, I now have to go through the, the onboard recordings because I've found going through the first half hour, that those were capable of picking up EVP. <laughs> so uh, right. <laughs> they are acting just like a a recorder would be in in any of these paranormal shows where you see people going after EVPs and yep. we were you know we were not getting responses through the equipment that I was recording to, but we were getting responses directly to the unit that the gentlemen were wearing on the upstairs and the downstairs uh, floors. So it's, you know, and then trying to, trying to separate that and trying to, um, you know, eliminate the, the unnecessary talking that, that people are going to find boring and trying to make a, uh, a listenable, exciting, interesting podcast out of it has proven to be uh, monumental. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, can imagine. I, I guarantee you when it's done, it's, it's going to be pretty cool because, uh, you know, we were using a spirit box. Uh, we were using K2 meters and we, we got EVPs. Um, it, it was, it was a, it was a crazy night. It was, uh, but interestingly enough, any of the paranormal stuff that I've experienced. And when I say paranormal, I'm talking about, you know, the ghost, uh, um, haunting type stuff. Um, yeah, you know, more likely spirit related. So I've never really run into anything that I have felt was negative, oppressive. Yeah. Except for the one, except for the one time. Um, and if you want to hear about that, you have to go to the confessionals because I'm not going to do it on, on this show. Um, I've been meaning to get the overtime. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it'll blow your mind, dude. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it'll blow your mind. 
it still blows mine. Uh, but in the course of investigation, uh, in in the limited amount of investigations that I've done, um, I've never yeah. run into anything that was you know even other than getting a chill when you get a response to a direct question. You know that's slightly unnerving, but it's not terrifying yeah. to me. You know, it's not. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I got to get out of here. You know, uh, I've never had anything that has been terrifying. Um, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, I was terrified when the banging on the door happened. Yeah. Oh, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I talk with you know other people who do investigations. I've talked to one uh, one gentleman who's who's been doing it for like fourteen or fifteen years, and he says he's never once come into contact with anything that he thought was evil, or you know he was in a place that had a portal to hell to it, or anything like that. Um, yeah. And then you know I've, I've talked to others that have said the same thing, and it's you know it, that's been my experience. But when you talk about where you're from. Your your history dates back way yeah. way way further than what ours does, and I don't I know if that has something to do with it or not. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, there's a famous Roman um, squadron that was based on a little island right by Colchester called Mersey Island, um, and there's been the ghost of a battalion of Romans seen. Um, crossing the uh, sort of the causeway it's a little bridge it floods sometimes that goes to the island and i would love to see roman ghosts because someone's always said to me how come you don't see ghosts of say dinosaurs yeah it's like <laughs> uh, i don't know <laughs> but yeah i'd love to see something that ancient like a roman ghost but i've never seen it well yeah. you know here there's but, uh, there's there's reports of people seeing uh, um pterodactyl type birds in the sky yeah you know what are, is that what they're calling the thunderbird or is that something else um you know that gets kind of twisted sometimes people refer to them as the thunderbirds but i think uh, i think the thunderbird is more of a uh, a large condor looking type you know it, it, it extremely big but more of a, yeah. a natural bird but you know there's people that claim to see like prehistoric looking um, winged creatures that you know they're featherless and they almost look like their their wings are made out of a, a skin or a leather you know type thing and pterodactyl yeah I almost wonder if you know these people that see these things and I, I don't doubt that you know they're seeing them but are they seeing a real living creature or are they getting a glimpse into the past yeah you know it, for some reason is is a frequency or the vibrations in that area changed just enough where where they get a uh, a visual peek into uh, what used to be or you know what could still be going on you know maybe just in a dimension right alongside of us you know uh, yeah parallel to us you hear so much about vibrations and and <clears throat> when was it i'm sorry just changing the subject slightly to bigfoot because sure. of the the vibrations made me think about it you know, the ability to go predator, as they say. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was a very, very old Sasquatch Chronicles episode I was listening to. And uh, it was a professor. And he was explaining that they have two or three vocal cords or that's what they believe. Right, yeah. And he was implying that the way, if you if you hold your hand out and you shake it, 
really fast. You can see through it. Yep. And I think his theory was, you know, if they can shake these free vocal cords with so much vigor, then surely they could make their whole body disappear. And that was his one of the theories behind how they can how they can uh, morph into the background, I suppose. Well, that's that's and funny thought, that you bring that up because uh, just recently, it might have been even uh, two episodes ago, I was speaking with a a gentleman and there's there's somebody that I'm trying to get on the show. I'm I'm trying to coerce them into uh being comfortable enough on uncomfortable to uh, <laughs> come tell their story and uh from what I know of it um there is a an instance an instance where their their perception of their environment from the time that they heard the, the noises that made them aware that this thing was around their perception yeah. as they, as they were fleeing the area. Um, they were, they, I don't think there was any, you know, active aggression or anything like that. They were just like, Nope, let's get out of here. And yeah, upon looking behind them, what they, what they saw was not the same as what, they knew it was so their their perception of their environment had changed enough that it was it was considerably different and i keep going back to this um it was part of a documentary i don't know i've watched so many i don't even know what it was but there there were a couple of uh couple of gentlemen they were in the the music business music industry in some extent i don't know if they were producers or or what but they they took some sound equipment into stonehenge okay and, and they they played a number of different frequencies starting on the high end and working their way down low and as they were getting down into the infrasound ranges they were they had their speakers set up so that they were um, they were bouncing sound off of the stones. They wanted to see if, if anything, if there was any kind of harmonics or any kind of, um, acoustics to, to Stonehenge. And yeah. during the course of playing the low sub frequencies that are associated with infrasound, um, the one gentleman started having all kinds of problems, massive headaches and his eye, his vision was getting blurred. He was to the point where he had to leave. He had a, they had to stop their experiment and he had to get out. So, you know, again, if, if they're capable of producing low frequency sounds, um, and, yeah. and to go even further, um, to this point, the, uh, the stuff that happened was in, uh, in Cuba, uh, I think it's called the Havana syndrome where right. some of our uh, some of our political delegates or, or uh, um, they were in like the the consulate or the embassy and uh, a few years back there were a number of them that got very sick all of them had very similar symptoms and and they ranged from you know bad headaches blurred vision and stuff like that and and it they've come out and said that they were the target of a acoustic weapon where, yeah, where they were, it was being fired at that building. So, 
you know, they, it, I don't know. Oh, if that I'm, doesn't... I don't know if I'm stretching yeah. to get from A to B, but you know, it, it seems that lower frequencies can adjust your vision, you know, and, and if it can oh. make you see something that is not there, maybe they're not actually physically cloaking, physically turning like the predator does. Maybe they're just changing the environment so that they're less perceptible to us. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely possible, isn't it? I think anything is possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the sound, the sound, the sound thing's so, I mean, I don't know if you remember an 80s film called Biggles. That had Peter Cushing in it, actually, as we were talking about him earlier. Um, and the Germans have created a sound weapon um, which literally crumbles um, anything in its path to sort of antimatter. matter oh, um, wow. I, Yeah, I, I, I would be so shocked if there wasn't some sort of sound weapon or at least if it hadn't been used i know there's a there's the famous brown note in rock music that can uh you know make you go to the toilet when you're not ready to <laughs> and I, it's uh, been a long time since i've heard that but yes I, I do remember hearing of that yeah yeah and it's something as simple as that isn't it uh, do you someone somewhere in an important place must have gone really a sound can do that that's interesting <laughs> yeah you know wow interesting stuff christian is that uh is that pretty much make up your uh your experiences i think so yeah yeah well i tell you i can't i can't uh i can't thank you enough for for picking this show to come on and and tell your stories they were uh very interesting I'm, I'm glad you got yourself out of the the cauliflower before anything uh, <laughs> too too much sustaining uh, uh, ill will towards you. Uh, I think yeah, you, I think you did the right it, thing. It is the one story I always go back to. Um, I mean, so, someone 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 said to me the other day, "Why why have you never told? Why don't you tell your stories properly?" Because obviously, we were talking tonight about how whenever someone asks me about something, I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw this, this, that, and that. You know, I don't go into it properly. I'm not I'm not one of those people that's going to fight to change someone's mind. But the other day, someone explained it to me in a way that just made me fall off my chair. <clears throat> because how can, how could, say, say I've been researching Bigfoot for eight years, which is about roughly what it is. I wouldn't say researching, but, you know, watching podcasts, documentaries, et cetera. Sure. Showing, a, um, showing an interest. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I've got eight years of interest built up, and I've formed my opinion, and it's changed and changed over the years, and it has. It's been an, quite an amazing journey. I love it. And um, someone said, why can't you explain to me why you believe in Bigfoot? And I thought, I can't explain it. It's like... There's, there's too much I've got to tell you. Like, I've had thought processes that have taken years to form. And then someone said, you know, the best way to describe it is to say, look, it's like a book. If I'm on chapter eight and you ask me why I believe what I believe at chapter eight, I can't read you the previous seven chapters. And I thought that's such a fantastic way of explaining why that's when people that aren't into the subject ask you about it, you can't. <laughs> that is it. a great way of explaining it. 
Um, yeah, I've I've been on I've been on a a couple of first dates in the past couple of years that uh, the woman is has asked me, you know, what, what makes you want to do this show? Why do you, why do you cover the things that you cover? What are, what's the interest, you know, why is it there? And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell them my, my life experiences and, and stuff like that. And, um, Bigfoot always seems to be one of those sticking points. They're always like, well, tell me more about Bigfoot. And then they'll say, well, what, what makes you believe in Bigfoot? (laughs) And it's the same thing. It's like, I have waded through a myriad of documentaries and (laughs) and videos and, and articles. And, you know, a lot of them I've thrown out. A lot of them don't hold water for me, but there's a, there's a number of them that, that really do hit the mark. And, you know, you just can't, you got to go on that journey your own. You can't, uh, yeah. you know, you might be able to elicit some interest in somebody by talking about it, but yeah, you know, you're not gonna, you're not going to formulate just, a opinion on it because of what I say. You have to, you have it. to do the work. Exactly. People look at me like I'm crazy when I tell them, oh yeah, Bigfoot, I'm interested in that. They look at me, you know, like I think most English people probably think that there's one Bigfoot and it's called Bigfoot and it's the Pats and Gimlin <laughs> Bigfoot. They don't realize that there's more than one Bigfoot yeah. and they don't even know Dogman is a thing. And, um, yeah, but it's, it's one of those things that just makes me smile because inside it's like, yeah, you think I'm mental, but you're mental because you don't know what I know and what I've seen, mm-hmm. you know. It's like a secret and they don't want to know. That's why they're, <laughs> you believe in Bigfoot? It's like, yes, I do. And you would if you'd have actually looked into the subject. That's the thing, isn't it? It is. It's strange. You know, there's there's times where I, I um, in conversations, I kind of go back to, you know, people who say, do you think people are born more sensitive to, um, to these things? And I don't know. I don't know that they're born more sensitive. But, you know, throughout the, the growth of a, of a human child, when we're born, we have, we have a soft spot on the front of our head and it allows the child to come through the mother and, you know, it collapses the, the, the skull to make it more um, easily come out. And then it takes time for that, that to grow together and to get solid. And sometimes I wonder, does something happen where your brain is exposed more and and more open? I understand what you're saying. You know, yeah. I mean, it's hard to put into words, but you know, it, it just seems that it seems that at at a, at the age of some point in childhood, people either remain open or they become yeah. closed off. Yeah. And I wonder what that is. That could is. very well be. Yeah, that could very well be, can that? That's a fascinating thought. Because the it must be the innocence. Anything's possible at that age. You know. Well, you know, I mean, how many kids... Mummy says unicorns are real. I might see one. Yeah. And then when you get older, everything becomes cynical and more. Yeah. Oh, look at me. 
I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I don't know. It's. I, I. It's. I mean, I did a terrible job of trying to put it into words, but um, <laughs> it's. It's just a. It's a strange thing, but it does seem to happen as a as a child as you're growing. You either you either stay open to it, or you you close off from it. And and it's, yeah. I think it's hard for those people that close off from it to I think to reopen. I think that is why um, I touched on it earlier that my I said my sister was really into the occult and stuff like that when she was um, around eighteen nineteen, mm-hmm. um, and I remember her saying that she'd been taught how to open. I've never asked her about this, and um, she hated it because she didn't know she didn't close properly one night or something, whatever that means. I'm assuming open is, you know, hello spirits closed is no thanks. But, um, she said that she kept getting flashes of like mongoloid. Um, I mean, that's the word she used mongoloid faces in her face, sort of shouting, um, just flashing up in front of her eyes. Um, so she didn't get a good night's sleep. And I think that is what pushed her away from it. I think that's why she doesn't even like talking about horror films we used to watch or anything anymore. Yeah. That would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not something <laughs> that's not something I'd be up for. No. <laughs> no, I think, you know, I, honestly, uh, no matter what your religious beliefs are, and I'm not just saying that to you, I'm saying it to anybody, um, whatever God you believe in, um, as long as you have a, a strong, I call it a spiritual armor, uh, about your, about your soul. Um, I think, I think as long as you don't delve into anything that's too dark, as long as you're not trying to conjure, as long as you're not trying to, uh, elicit responses from, uh, um, dark entities, I think, I think, this kind of investigation of ghosts and hauntings and stuff like that, I think is for the most part, pretty safe. But I think if you, if you push that envelope and you want to start delving deeper, um, that's when, that's when you start getting into problems and that, that's not where I will go. I, uh, you're, you're reminding me of my stepdaughter literally two days ago. Um, she came up to me and she went, who's Lilith? And I went, oh, uh, why? <laughs> she went, and uh, I know Lilith. And I went, right, she's 12, by the way. And I said, Lilith, right, yeah. Um, why do you want to know who Lilith is? And she said, oh, I'm interested in demons. And I went, oh, no, my you're God. Not. <laughs> uh, uh, in what context are you interested in demons? So me and, uh, me and my wife sat down with them, literally just sort of spoke about things. And we were like, look, they probably are real and uh, and then the funny thing is, the other day we, I was pushing her on the swing, and she said, "What well, other demon names do you know?" Then, so we were having a conversation about demon names, and I just remember sort of looking at myself in an invisible mirror, just thinking, "What is happening here? <laughs> Why are we having <laughs> this conversation?" Push, <laughs> yeah, pushing me on the swing and saying, "Can you Google demon names?" So I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, obviously, we've got the the famous five: Bethamat and uh, Bethamay." Sorry, and. Um, yeah, we were laughing at some of the more obscure ones, but yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you might you might yeah. want to put a, a a little bit of a close watch on uh, her interest. Uh, 
Oh, we've had a really good, we've had a really good talk with her. Um, yeah, she, we've sort of been very real with her about it. Said, you know, it's fine being interested. It's fine being fascinated, but don't ever go anywhere near a Ouija board yeah. or a seance or anyone practicing in the in the arts. You know, it's just not a good thing yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Christian, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time and reaching out to me and coming on here and telling your stories. It was uh, it was a fascinating conversation for for the evening. I'm sure the I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy it. Oh, brilliant! No, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, sir. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.